Are you longing for real life change and lasting impact? At more to be we believe that is possible through a fresh encounter with God and His Word. I'm Lisa Pulliam, the founder of more to be and host of the more to be podcast, and I'm here to help you think biblically and live transformed, to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in His work every day. On today's episode, we're going to do something that may end up feeling a whole lot different than our normal episodes. I've got Kaylee with me again today. Hey, Kaylee, how are you? I'm doing well. It's been a busy few weeks for me, but um, just so nice to connect with you and spend some time chatting about what's been happening in life. So for those of you listening in, Kaylee and I find ourselves on a Friday afternoon at the end of a week in October in which our worlds have kind of been um, different than what is normal and rerouted. For me, it's been the last two weeks. A lot of plans that didn't go according to plan, like even starting off this morning, having to drive poster boards out to my kids' school because they <laughs> forgot their projects. And that was not in my plan. But here we are at the end of a, a week and we are with each other. And I'm pretty excited about what God is going to teach us through this episode that we're recording that we don't really know where it's going. How about you? Yeah, it's always um, an adventure when you don't have things completely mapped out, and yet there's there's ideas, and God just kind of takes it from there. So I'm excited to, to just unpack some things that have been happening and going on and, um, you know, see see the lessons that God has been teaching both of us as we've just been going through life, like doing everyday life. Yeah, yeah, me too. I When I was imagining us getting on this afternoon after rescheduling what we thought was going to be a 9 a.m. recording slot, I was thinking, man, you know, I just want to talk with Kaylee. I just want to catch up and find out how your missions trip went. And and I started having this, like, vision of all of our podcast listeners gathered together in my shed and we're just having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee and, and just catching up on life. Yeah. Uh, because I think, as I've said before, it's the storytelling of what God has done that gives us hope to press on. And I need hope. And I know you probably need hope too. Who doesn't, right? No. Right. So true. It's it's those stories that create the fabric of life and the joy of when we share that with each other and, and we're always couching everything into God's word, mm-hmm. um, just how much he teaches us and gives us energy to face the next thing that's around the bends mm-hmm. um, and, and to keep us going and to, to ultimately too just to sanctify us right. as we're in this process and this journey. Right, right. I totally agree with you. So I know you've got a good story to tell us and what I'm thinking, even before I tell my story and you tell your story of what we've gone through, uh, which we're not trying to be like major drama here. It's, right. just, been, it's just been intense. Um, I, I want to bring us to a passage in Exodus, which I mm. happen to be studying through the Bible study that I'm in at my church. And this year's Bible study has just been such a gift to me. The study we're doing was written by, uh, the pastor's wife at my church. And mm-hmm. it is, um, it's, it's based on the finding your way Bible. And what she has done is she's teaching us the entire timeline of God. So we are walking through the story of God from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation, looking kind of at the big picture overview. So we're, we're jumping from major characters to major characters. So we've looked okay. at God and Adam, 
Um, we looked at Noah. Then uh, look at, am I remembering my timeline? We're doing timeline exercises in all sorts of different ways. So we've looked at Abraham, um, and now we're looking at Moses. Mm. And so we find ourselves in Exodus, uh, and uh, we read this particular passage and studied this passage this week uh, from Exodus 13. Mm. And it just became the scripture backdrop of my life, I feel like. In the last two weeks, I want to share parts of it. So in Exodus uh, chapter 13, verse 17, it kicks off with saying, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory. So the Israelites have been through all the plagues. They've Mm -hmm. been wandering in the wilderness. They have been waiting on God to basically deliver them out of Egypt. And God here says, or Moses describes that God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. Mm. So, I mean, that just sat with me all week of our plan is always the shortest route. Yeah. Why in the world would we ever consider any other option besides how quickly can we get from point A to point B? Whether we're on a trip, whether we are planning our life, whether we are looking at a task. I mean, I I know I'm all about efficiency. I don't know about you. Yeah. Oh, same. Yeah. And that's why, you know, even on the computer, there's there's shortcuts. Yes. And so, you you know, in order to do something in Word faster or if I'm using InDesign, I mean, there's all kinds of shortcuts to make your job even quicker as you're working on the computer. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're just wired that way. Our society is wired that way. Why, why is there fast food? Because well, I was thinking that. Because yeah. you want it now, and then I got to get back on the road. Yeah. Faster is has become better. Yeah. And yet, in God's economy, faster is potentially the problem way. So he continues to say, God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Mm. which is fascinating to me that God knew these people are not of like a solid stock. They are weak and comfort, you know, they're, they're people of creature comforts. They're going to go back to what was horrible rather than press on for the unknown of what's ahead. Mm-hmm. And again, I see that in my life and in my children's life in my friends and the people I coach, like there's that, I'd rather go back to what was than to step into the unknown. Right. So he says, um, so God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. Thus, the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. And I, that word roundabout, I find myself looking at every situation and think, is this the roundabout? Mm. Right. So, yeah, that's a great that's a great way to look at things, honestly, because that puts everything back into the perspective of trusting in God's ultimate plan right. versus our own. Totally. I mean, so even just simply this morning of getting, you know, I'm getting out of the shower and I'm ready to kind of get ready, prepare my heart to record the podcast with you and not sure at the time what we were going to actually even mm-hmm. land on. Because so much has been happening on the spiritual level in our lives where God's teaching us things. 
And and then next thing you know, I get this text message that I have to drive out to the school. And I didn't have to, but I, I chose to uh, because I didn't want them to lose the 20 points each for their project. And oh, yeah. the reason that they were forgot it, quite frankly, was I woke up not feeling well this morning, wasn't there to make sure everybody was getting out of the house the right way, and they depend on me. And I, they were up really late last night practicing their speeches for their leadership. Um, uh, what do you call that? Like they ran for leadership roles today. And so their brains were consumed with preparing for their speeches, not bringing in the poster boards that they finished three days ago. Yeah. And, and so there I am. And so that became my roundabout for today. That was a different route to get to this moment when we're recording this podcast and I could either look at that with crankiness and bitterness, which is where I was, quite frankly. In the car, driving out there, I was grumbling like the Israelites. I, and I, I boxed my friend, I boxed you to tell you about the, you know, we needing to rearrange and then reached out to my friend, Carrie, and I'm like, I need you to pray for me. And, and then I realized, well, have I even prayed about it? Mm-hmm. After I left the message, I then like, okay, Lord, get my heart right. This is your day. Order it according to your plan. And from that moment on, literally, I pulled into the parking lot. And when I came back out, I had a different attitude and a different perspective. And at that point, it was, well, God, what do you want in this day now? Um, so what's interesting here. If we continue, I just want to read a couple more parts of 13 and 14, and then we can kind of go into storytelling mode and, and go back into this. So um, so they're, they're now heading out um, on the road to the promised land, and the Israelites are being led by the Lord who went ahead of him. So picking up on verse 21, he guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud And he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or the pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. Mm -hmm. So even while God had them on the roundabout route, he had a method for leading them both by day and by night. And I think that we need to become way more sensitive to that leading of God by day or by night. And yet, these blessed Israelites had God with them in a physical manifestation. I see your face. What are you thinking? No, I've thought the same thing. That I'm like, I, you know, I want to say, oh, we'll see. It was so much easier for them because they had this physical, like you said, physical manifestation. Mm-hmm. And and so I want to blame them. <laughs> that they were being so ridiculous not to believe or trust in him. And yet I know, I mean, like there, there's obviously manifestations of God's presence in my own life. And so how much more am I just like them Mm -hmm. that I struggle with at times the grumbling and the complaining and, um, and just get caught up in all of that versus that. Nope. Just keep your eyes, just keep your Mm -hmm. eyes fixed. Mm-hmm. On what he's put in front of you which and is trusting that he's there right. and move forward and he will reveal everything in its perfect time which is fascinating to me that that's where you go because he is with us through the power of the holy spirit 
And I'm reading uh, this book by Francis Chan, Forgotten God, actually because Kat Lee was on the podcast and recommended this book, uh, Forgotten God. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start reading this. I've underlined every paragraph of this (laughs) book. And I just read this this past week where he's describing how the Holy Spirit is given to us Mm. as the counselor and guide that Jesus actually says, I have to leave you to leave you with the Holy Spirit. And you're better off because of it. So it's just amazing to me that that Jesus says that he needs to leave to give us the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is our present-day cloud Mm -hmm. and our our present-day pillar of fire. But I think, as Francis Chan is beginning to expand upon in the book that I'm reading, is that we don't understand what that looks like or how that manifests in our life. And, And maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe it is a challenge because it was as much of a challenge for the Israelites. So if you, if you, uh, I was going to say scroll down in my paper Bible here. If you go down to chapter 14, verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. They're so dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. It's very familiar. These are my people. (laughs) I know. You know, it is. You want to point fingers and be like, oh, come on, guys. But the problem is, is that we know the end of the story that God parted the Red Sea. Here they are. And all they can see in front of them is water and be on the other side. Like they're trapped by the mountains. And the Egyptians are behind them. They're surrounded. They have nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. how many times do we feel like in, in certain situations we have nowhere to go? Right. And so we panic, too. I know. God, where are you? Why is this happening? It would have been better off if I hadn't gotten this new job or if I hadn't have done this or done that. Right. Let me go back to the way it was. Right. And we only remember the highlight reel of the way it was. We don't remember the really bad part. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so this last part, I thought this was so fun. Um, Verse 13, Moses says, But Moses told the people, don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Mm. The Egyptians, Egyptians you see today will never be seen again, which is an actual horrible truth. They all were wiped out. Uh, The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Oh, all those t-shirts. I know. I know. This was us in Bible study or whatever. Yeah. Just stay calm and and carry on into the Red Sea. Like, you know, like God coined the term, just stay calm. And, and, and it makes me laugh because I mean, he's specifically speaking to the Israelites, but if the Israelites represent mankind and our human tendency and God represents the fullness of his sovereignty mm-hmm. and what he will do for us. When, when, and where are we supposed to just stand still and watch the Lord rescue us today? The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 
is that is that applicable? What do you think? Oh, I think it's totally applicable. Um, and I think you used a really important word, though. It goes back to what is our perspective? Mm. Like, do we look at every little inconvenience that happens in life, such as like you talked about having to take the twins, their poster board? Do we look at that as an inconvenience and a roadblock or do we look at it as maybe God's roundabout way? Yeah. Um, you know, just this last week, like you said, I was on a mission trip to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were in Appalachia, very poor community. Um, it's There's a lot of Amish actually in the area that we were in, um, but just a lot of poor families. And so we were there with 30 teenagers and we had uh, three different job sites that we were working at. And one, this was partway through the trip and we had decided that we were going to let the kids sleep in. It was, it was getting ready into the last day that we were going to be there working. And so we'd said, all right, we'll let everybody sleep in an extra hour and we'll get up at eight and eat breakfast at eight 30 because we don't have as much to finish up on the job sites. And so we can take a little bit more time. And I, I woke up at like 4.30 and I was so annoyed because I was tired. There were kids getting sick and I was like, I don't want to catch everybody's cold. Like I know I need my sleep, right? And so I'm laying there, I'm trying to pray and talk to God and just use the time wisely as I'm just like wide awake. And it was probably another hour at 5.30 then that one of the girls came over to my bed and woke me up. Well, woke me up. I was already awake. But she's like, Chaplain Kaylee, I need to come here. Um, Jaden can't move her left side of her body. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, so I'm like, okay. So I get up and go over. And um, so this, this girl, she then I'm asking her questions and trying to make sure she's okay. I'm thinking, you can't just be paralyzed because you woke up, right? I mean, that doesn't happen. Um, but she'd rolled over. And I, as I was assessing her, I think she just like pulled a muscle in her neck because she'd rolled over funny on the air mattress and she's Uh. sleeping with three of, you know, there was three of them on the small air mattress. So I know it was tight corners or close quarters. Um, so anyways, so then I'm like trying to figure out how to take care of her and not wake everybody else up and, um, just try to make her feel as comfortable as possible. Mm -hmm because she really was kind of scared that she felt like she couldn't move her arm and it hurt really bad. Um, and so after getting done taking care of her, I went back to bed and there was, there was that piece of me that was just like grumpy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, God, I'm just tired. I've been, I had worked 30 hours between Friday and Saturday that that day before or right before we left because it was parents weekend Mm -hmm. so there was all kinds of special programs you know all the kids had their parents here on campus and we were just going nonstop. so you know I'd worked 15 hour days then we left Sunday to head out for the mission trip I had to drive five hours then all this time you know and it was just all these things that was going through my mind of just then starting to complain about it Mm -hmm. and I yeah the Holy Spirit was like just stop like, yeah, don't you love it when he's so plain? Complaining, <laughs> and and be grateful that you are able to show me just through the simple act of taking care of this girl cheerfully, because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't grumpy with her. Like it was after I got back in bed that I was having my little pity party. But you know, I've been trying to get to know her 
a little bit better. And so it was like, just take this as the opportunity that you were able to show love to her early in the morning without, you know, complaining to her mm-hmm. and, and, and roll with that. And I was like, yes, I know, I know, I know. And so, um, I settled down and then the next, the next day, you know, I went out and bought her a heating pad to help just try to relieve the tension and mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah, it's those small things that I was able to minister to her just by simply taking care of her needs, you know, mm. and I don't know where that's going to go in the long term with my relationship with her or the ability to share Christ more fully with her. Um, who knows? Mm. But like that was my roundabout that I wasn't planning on. And that was the, the, the small hiccup in the trip and the inconvenience of having to be woken up early. That is, uh, I'm, I'm listening to you and you, you are referencing all the other things that God has been teaching me in the last week. <laughs> so I'm just like, you said key words like show love, show mercy, be mm-hmm. Jesus, um, be in the relationship. And so God doesn't just take us on the roundabout because he gets kicks off of watching us struggle, right? right. Like. He takes us on the roundabout because he wants to accomplish his purposes in us and through us. And I forget which part of the passage it is in. I think it's towards the end of chapter 14 where um, the goal of what God has done with the Israelites in the Red Sea was also so that the Egyptians would see God's glory. Mm. Not just the Israelites. So in you ministering to that girl, not only was she seeing you as the hands and feet of Jesus, but everybody who was watching your care for her showed the hands and feet of Jesus. I hadn't thought about that. Well, okay. So then I, we're going to have to go to this other passage. Um, okay. So in this past week, I, uh, I had the privilege and I definitely call it a privilege. I had marked off on my calendar uh, to take a day of prayer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a bunch of people challenging me that I needed like a holy pause. And mm-hmm. so I had marked this off weeks and weeks and weeks ago and and did it. And I've done a day like this before, maybe like once before where I did an at-home retreat, um, actually twice before. Once that was a major healing time, once was just a restorative time. So I didn't know what this was going to be like going into this day. And in right. light of all the things that have been happening lately, I'm like, God, I need some answers. Like I was, I went into the day, God was the last person I wanted to hang out with. I was just <laughs> mad, mad at him. Um, and maybe I should, maybe I should explain that part now before I turn to Matthew. So uh, to rewind, for me, this is like my part of the story. About two weeks ago, we um, had arranged for a, a friend of a, of a friend to come and replace our sliding door on our house. So we bought our house three years ago. Um, and in the last six months, I've noticed that the carpet on the inside of the house from the sliding door was soaking. And so we started to get mm-hmm. some estimates to figure out where's this water coming in. The, the door is probably 15 or 20 years old. So um, our friend's friend came to install the door and the whole door was out. And he said to me, uh, you better turn up the heat upstairs. This is going to be like this for a while, but turn it off down here. So we turn on the heat and the heat doesn't kick in and the heat doesn't kick in. And it's the first cold day. It was like 
40 degrees out here. Uh, it was also a day in which I decided to go watch my son's baseball game and was there for two hours in 40 degree weather, freezing. So I come uh-huh. home and there's still no heat. Eight o'clock that night, the door is done. Uh, we discover that the rug was damaged. So now we have a brand new door and a carpet cut out of that will need to be replaced. So, you know, we dropped $1,600 to do this project. Now we're going to have to drop however many more dollars to replace the floor. Right. So, um, and now the heat's not working. And the boiler is a new boiler that we had to put in three years ago, right after we moved the first winter in the house, we found out that there was a leak and had to replace that unit. So we're like brand new boiler and it's not working. And they were supposed to come for service the week before. They didn't. So they said, well, if we come, the earliest we could come is Tuesday. And that won't be a service call fee. If we come now, it's going to be like $150 or $180, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, we're going to, we've done this before. We've lived without heat before in this dang house. We will live without heat again for two more days. We will bundle up. Like, I'm really trying to have a good attitude on all this. So, Tuesday, the, the folks come out and they quote us like $1,200 for a repair. And and on the $1,200 repair, um, they, they describe the part and we're like, all right, we need to think about this. We're going <laughs> to live without heat. So uh, Stephen did a little research, found the part for 100 bucks, replaced it that night, only to find out that wasn't the actual broken part. Oh, my word. So we... we he gets on the phone with the company that built the boiler and gets some tech support, finds out that we need to have a specialist come in. So the specialist we were able to arrange, they graciously came on Wednesday. So now they're in the middle of fixing this unit on Wednesday. We know it's going to be about $300 minimum. And in the middle of fixing the unit, the part that needed to be replaced broke and they didn't have a spare part. So mind you, I've been cold since Sunday. This is now, you know, the middle of the day, Wednesday. And we're supposed to have a a missionary family from the Solomon Islands with six children spend the weekend with us and host a potluck on Saturday, right? So I'm like, are they going to stay with us? They have a baby. How could they stay with us without having heat? Like when they broke the part, they said, well, we don't have a replacement, but now you also have no hot water. Oh no. So we went from no heat to now no heat and no hot water. And I had to cancel all my appointments the next day because they didn't know when the part would arrive. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't want to miss it because I wanted heat and hot water for this family to come and stay with us. So Thursday, they came in the afternoon. They fix it. It's like $900 later. I'm like, we still haven't done anything about the rug. <laughs> you know, I'm like, the money is just like going out the windows. That's my father used to say. It just flies yeah. right out the windows. And then, um, so then they tell us, well, actually, to really solve the problem, it's a four hundred, it's a four thousand dollar fix to to solve the problem long term. Which I'm like, uh, we're paying for college. Do you understand that? Like this, my husband works at a Christian school, and I'm in ministry. Like I don't have this money. I mean, the kids, like we all stood around the kitchen counter, and we were defeated. Yeah, we're like, God, why did you bring us here? We should have just stayed at the boarding school. We need to pay for this. We were the Israelites in this mm-hmm. moment. We were the Israelites. And at the same time, we were praising God that the company came, that we now have heat, that we live in America, 
that right. we have these freedoms, that the resources are accessible to us, and that really we have nothing to complain about. It was kind of this both and. Mm-hmm. So the the family came from the Solomon Islands, and they stayed with us, and it was the delight of my heart because I've known these two since they were 14, and mm-hmm. I'm hanging out with their children, and their oldest is 12, and I was like, I I could have cried the whole, like, three days, and they're... The, the husband's mom is one of my mentors. So to be with my sweet friend's grandbabies was a gift. And then they gave a presentation of their life in the Solomon Islands. Okay, so the Pulliams are all now sitting there starting to cringe because this family lives without running water. They live without heat. They live without electricity. They are the most delightful family you would ever want to spend time with. I mean, the kids are sweet. The parents' interactions, kind and compassionate. And they're gentle with each other. And they were playing the guitar and singing worship music. And I felt like, kumbaya, my lord. Like, right. how did I get to this place of utopia mm-hmm. in, in the temperament of people? And, and they, they have, what they live with, they endure for the cause of Christ. They are doing what they're doing to bring Jesus to people who have never heard him or met him before. And in all of this, so then Stephen and I had some time together after they left and we had been praying. We've been praying for them. We've been on this like we pray like challenge. We've been praying every night for the last, I don't know, 20 or 30 nights. I don't know when it's going to end. It may never end. And in my prayer, I prayed something I've never prayed before. I'm convinced this is the Holy Spirit as the guide. I said, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, and I don't know why you're doing this. Oh, did I mention the washing machine broke right after they left? No. Oh, yeah. So that too. So so this, this was like one of these prayers. I'm like, I don't know, God, but if I go back to that sliding door that you enabled us to put in, who knows if maybe it was because the gentleman that came with the guy who's installing it needed the resources to pay for his wife's pregnancy mm-hmm. and that the people who made the door needed the job to put food on the table for their family mm-hmm. and that the tithe of the person who owns the store who sold the door is being used to provide your gospel going forth in some other mm-hmm. place. Like, my entire worldview from a biblical perspective changed to mm-hmm. see that God gave the resources to replace the door. And it may not even be about me. Right. Right. And, and Stephen has been commenting to me ever since. He's like, never in my life have I ever thought that way. Like mm-hmm. that changes everything. It changes everything. And it's not just a broken washing machine. Bless his heart, he took the thing apart to try to figure out what the broken part was. Right. And couldn't figure it out, put it back together, and he said he laid hands on it mm-hmm. and prayed over the washing machine that God would make it work in his mercy, would make it work. Right. And he turned it on, and the washing machine is working. Praise God. Praise God. And he comes upstairs, and he tells me, it's working. And I was like, so we're not going to Home Depot now to go find a washer? And Luke, my son, said, what kind of faith is that to have a healed washing machine and go buy a new one? (laughs) 
And I, I know out of the mouth of babes and Stephen and I looked at each other like, oh, and I'm thinking, well, maybe if it's only healed for one load, I'm going to be in another roundabout this week. Right. And I, I don't want to be in another roundabout. I, I want to be prepared. I want it to be my way. And yet Stephen and I looked at each other and said, we can't go buy a new washing machine. Like mm-hmm. we need to, to do it. So all of this crazy right i mean these are just first world problems these are this oh it's so totally true because i mean like the one woman's house we were working on she's 72 and has been living there for the last 30 or 40 years i mean so she spent most of her adult life in this house mm-hmm. and there's still no running water mm. no running water and she was the sweetest happiest person and she was She's so funny though because we were her we were fixing her roof because it was leaking and so it had leaked into what should be the bathroom. I mean, mm. she doesn't have like a toilet or the fixtures, right? But it it is set up that that should be a bathroom. There is like a tub in there. She's just using it to store things right now, but there okay. is a tub in there. So it had, it had leaked through and rotted out the floor. So we were fixing the floor and she kept talking though. She's like, I don't know if I want to be doing this at 92. Like she's <laughs> like, so I, you know, with you guys fixing all this stuff, like, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just praying that I'll be able to get a plumber in here and actually get like a toilet hooked up. So like she's, oh. she is, she's thinking and heading in this direction. She's hoping that when we come back and, you know, we hear or two that she's going to have a bathroom and indoor plumbing facilities. Um, but you know, here she's in America, like you're talking missionaries overseas and yet there's these pockets of people and there's, and that have so much less than what I have. Right. What you have. Right. And yet, you know, they're doing their best in living their life. And I think that's what God calls each of us. Like there's plenty of people that have way more than I do. Right. And yet. I, it goes back to, we had an episode on contentment, you know, being content with what God has given to each one of us and keeping in that perspective though, what we've been talking about that, that these hiccups that come in our daily lives, that do we see them as inconveniences or do we see them as potential divine or see them as divine appointments? I mean, I guess let's just even call it that, that the 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 financial resources they're all his yes our time and our health are all his yes you know, I walked away going like I I'm just tired like I want to sleep everybody else has had their fall break and has slept in yes <laughs> you know and I was out working and then I I was I was afraid I was starting to get sick on Thursday when we were driving back and I'm like Lord you know next week is just as crazy as this week yep. and I've got a choir festival that I'm in charge of running or helping out with and I'm like so. If I catch everybody's cold, some of the kids had bronchitis. I'm like, mm. if I catch it, so be it. Like this is, this is your body, and I'm using it for your service. And you're just gonna have to give me the energy to fight through whatever illness might come on me, yeah. Or just keep me healthy. And sure enough, like I kept feeling like I was fighting it off Thursday, and today I feel fine. And mm. you know, praise God. And yeah, but next week if I suddenly come down with it, then all right, Lord, you're just going to have to give me the energy to keep going. Right. Bring somebody else in who can fill my shoes if I'm going to be out and need an extra sleep. I don't know. Which but- is so true. It's it's a perspective, right? You're saying 
Do I see this as an inconvenience or God's divine appointment? Do I see this as my body or his body? Do I see this as my work or his work? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like the key. That's actually where I was going when I when I got distracted by my own story is that, <laughs> so, you know, I said I didn't want to sit down with God and I did and I ended up reading through the book of Matthew uh, oh. And it took me all day, and I felt like the disciples falling asleep at the end of the day, and how we judge them for like falling asleep at right before the crucifixion. Like, how could they? And yet, it it was hard. It was hard mm-hmm. to stay focused for that many hours. Um, mm-hmm. And I, but what struck me was that in the book of Matthew, to read it all in one day, there were some themes that stu- stuck out stuck out to me very clearly. You, Matthew is the one gospel writer that re- references the Old Testament, I think more than any other. So the pieces that I've been reading in Bible study were very relevant to what I was reading through Matthew. True. And Jesus, you know, kicks into his ministry. Um, he's baptized by John. And then immediately in chapter four, he's tempted by Jesus, I mean, uh, by, by Satan, uh, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. And so I saw the devil's work in that passage that, that the enemy of God, uh, and if, if you go to study chapter four in Matthew, you'll see that he tempts us by what he tells us, by what he uh, tempts us to do by what we see um, and by the offer of power. Mm-hmm. And so in each situation like that just stuck out to me. Uh, Jesus responds with no, the word of God says. Right. So to keep on. So then Jesus is teaching about himself and about the law and about relationships, about prayer and fasting. And then he moves into um, chapter nine, chapter eight, he begins healing. He heals the leper and chapter nine, more healing kicks into gear. He heals the paralyzed man. And then he calls Matthew to be one of his disciples. Mm-hmm. And that is the part that really struck me and has struck me by what you have said, because he says, uh, chapter nine, verse nine, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple. And so right in the middle of our work, we are called to be Jesus's disciples. Mm. And you were in the middle of your work and you were called to go even deeper into being his disciple in the way you were caring for that girl. Mm -hmm. So then Jesus said to them, so, Jesus said, follow me and be my disciple. So Matthew got up and followed him. There were no excuses. There was no delay. He was not an Israelite in that moment at all. Right. And so I love the parallel of this in that we could be the grumbling Israelites or we could be that faith-filled, submissive follower of Christ. And so... Matthew, what does he do as a follower of Christ? It says later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. 
But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Unbelievable. Right? I know. And I feel convicted. Like, I, I feel judgmental towards the Pharisees and I feel convicted. Why am I not eating with scum? Like, am I? Am I? Am I willing? Who's at my table? Mm-hmm. Who well, am I serving? Matthew, Matthew immediately invited. Like, it, he started witnessing yes. with knowing all that there was to know. And I think that's sometimes what hangs we get hung up on is that like, oh, I, I need to know more or I need mm-hmm. to understand further before I can start reaching out. No, it's, it's right away. You right know, away. it goes back to like, this was simply an act of hospitality and come see who I've met. Yes. And how much then when, when we simply show love, that's, that's an aspect of just come see who I know. So, let, so care of you. Okay. okay You're quoting the scriptures. You have yeah. no idea. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. So when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. So here's one of those Old Testament references to Hosea 6, 6. It says, um, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. I love that. Right? And for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. And so in the Hosea passage, this is in the NLT translation. It says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. Well, it kind of harkens back to Micah 6, 8, which is talking about, um, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you, to do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Exactly. I mean, that sums it up. That's kind of a similar idea. Yes. Um, is, is what he is calling us to do. Right. And how he's calling us to act. So he doesn't only say it in chapter 9, which is what is so beneficial about reading multiple passages, multiple yeah. chapters of Scripture at once is that you realize here's a theme here. He also says it again in chapter 12 um, in picking up uh, well, the Pharisees are giving Jesus a hard time about the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And then he says in verse six, I tell you there is one here who is even greater than the temple, but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples. If you knew the meaning of this scripture, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices for the son of man is the Lord even over the Sabbath. And so I just really found it quite striking in my personal life that, that the table was a place that Matthew invited people to. Mm -hmm. The table was the place that we invited our friends to stay with us. They actually asked if they could stay with us and we said, yes. And then they asked if we could host a potluck, and we said yes. And our, our space is small, and we didn't know how we would all fit, and people right. had to sit on the floor. And so we had people in this house, as a, and God was providing this opportunity to show mercy mm. and to show love. 
And if you go to that Matthew 4 chapter, what was Satan busy doing all along the week leading up to that? And I wasn't aware of how, you know, in Daniel, it says that the enemy of God is about the business of wearing down the saints. Mm-hmm. And so from an earthly perspective, I had a leaking door, a rug that needed to be replaced, a broken boiler, an inconvenient schedule, um, event, you know, money that we hadn't planned on spending that way. All of these are in the earthly. But if you look at what Satan does when he tempts Jesus, he, he goes after the earthly. Yeah. He, um, let me go it back to the... He went after that he needed food. It was yes it was satisfy his physical needs, right? Um, and then he moved on to uh, power and authority. Yep. And and self sufficiency. That really that really comes down to that. And walking away from all the pain that Jesus knew was coming down the road. It was oh. like you can just be over with this. Just like you know, take everything into your own hands. Right. And you can have this whole earth all handed over to you. Yeah. Um, something else, too, like when you first read it, and I feel like it might be jumping backwards, but it, then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Again, it goes back to, I think, what we've been talking about is that, that we look at it, that we want the shortcut, and yet it's the roundabout that that sanctifies us and honestly brings us closer to God. Yeah. And this could be looked at as a roundabout, like... It was, you know, why go into the wilderness? And yet the spirit led him there to be tempted. He led him to go through a challenging time because that was what was going to solidify things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and he had to have this encounter with Satan and, and battle through that to then start on his ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Which because this is at the, the it's before the onset of his ministry. It's before right. all of his acts of healing Correct. and his teaching began. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with it being, I mean, he's 40 days, 40 nights fasting and became very hungry. And the first thing that the, that the enemy offered him or challenged him, it says during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. I mean, like seriously, the man's hungry and the yeah. devil says, well, make yourself some bread, dude. Right. Right. Do it. You, you, the temptation there. And so how many situations do we find ourselves in where the very heart of our weakness is the very place the enemy goes after Yeah. to tempt us to take matters into our own hands, especially like you said, and we've been talking about when we're on the roundabout. Well, and there's two things. Number one, then... We have to go back to Scripture because Jesus, the only defense that he had against Satan's attacks was that he went straight back and quoted Scripture. Yes. And the second thing that I feel like is that we have to remember who we belong to. Like right before Jesus went into the wilderness, he had the words ringing in his in his ears that God from heaven at his baptism said, this is my dearly loved son who brings yes. me great joy. Yes. Like he had to hold on to his name and who he was and his heritage. Yes. And then combat the the temptations with the truth of scripture. Right. 
And, you know, and he came out on the other side and the angels ministered to him like God's presence was then there on the battle. And how many times we're like bookmarked by these these two things. And in you, I mean, both of us, as we've talked through this and just shared pieces of these stories, you know, we've come back to these truths of scripture that that God's been like, now remember, and he's taught us new things through it. And we've had new takeaways. Um, But it's because we've been grounded in the scripture enough to remember and recognize who we are yeah. and, and our calling and what we're supposed to be doing and who we're supposed to be ministering to. Like it's that grounding that then lets us get through that trial and that temptation and come out on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's the endurance. Like Stephen said to me yeah. multiple times during those, I guess it was like five days without heat. And he's like, I'm so glad you're not who you were because, <laughs> and I was like, praise you, Jesus, because it, even 10 years ago, I would have been pitching a fit and screaming and crying and carrying on. It was only at 3 p.m. when they told me that we would be without hot water to the next day that I started to cry. I mean, that was the first moment I was like, I can't do this anymore, Uh, freezing. And, you know, I have TMJ and it's been in the worst state it could possibly be in. So being cold is like punishment for TMJ. It's your, your whole face is already seized up. And yet I can say, and I want this to be encouragement for the women who are listening. Mm -hmm. I am 25 years walking with Jesus. I am 15 years studying his word. Mm -hmm. I am 10 years healed. Like it has taken a long, long journey. Yeah. Like the Israelites to Mm -hmm. get to a place that I can respond to the circumstances of what's going on in my life. More in touch with the spirits leading and, and acting, responding in the spirit rather than responding in the flesh. Well, but but how easy, though, it is for us to fall, even when we're walking. Yes. In the Word. Yes. And because we do get those temptations. And I was just thinking, you know, the disciples who were with Jesus, they knew Him, they loved Him. Yes. And yet how they were faltering with so many things, of wanting to be first in the kingdom, to at Gethsemane, not mm-hmm. praying and doing what he'd requested, you know, this simple request of just stay awake with me. Here, Peter, Peter's ready to give up his life. Yes. And push comes to shove. Jesus simply asking, just stay awake and pray with me. I know. And, and he falls asleep, you know, and I think that there's so much hope in that because we do get, we do get caught up in the, the nitty gritty of life and yeah. we do falter. And, and there are the moments where I just want to cry or I do cry or I want to get frustrated and you have to stop yourself and be yeah. like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like, you're not going to win this one, Satan. Like, I'm going to come back to the fact that in all things, God's working together for good. Yeah. For and, those who love him. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to trust that although I can't see the end, you're going to work out the finances or the relationship or, yeah. you know, my sanity. Right. <laughs> and, and my time and the energy, um, it's all for you. Yeah. Well, and I said, you know, I did not want to spend time with God on that Wednesday after <laughs> all the broken things. Uh, right. I, I, Tuesday night, I cried and during 
the time that Stephen and I prayed and said, God, your word says that fathers should not exasperate their children, and I feel exasperated right now. I To see my children feel defeated over one more broken thing, like, right. I, I mean, they were crying. They yeah. were sad. Like, why is God allowing this to happen? And I, you know, in all of that, I'm like, I don't know. And I don't have the answers. The one thing I didn't do was quit God, which is what I usually do. You know, in the past, we'd be like, that's it. I'm done with you, which lasts right. all of like 25 seconds. But then, <laughs> then, you know, in that moment, I just got honest and I told the Lord how I felt. And so even showing up and being faithful on Wednesday to pray with him mm-hmm. and spend the day in prayer and in the word, when I all I wanted to do was work to try to earn back the money that I feel like we lost. Yeah. And so that was even an act of obedience of, yeah. uh, well, God, I'm going to give you this day and I'm trusting that you are going to provide. And he has like, he he has provided in significant ways since Wednesday and it's only Friday. So it's that you you walk it out so you can see God work it out. Oh, that's so good. Say that's, that again. I like that. That's the Holy Spirit. You you what did I say? You walk it out so you can watch God work it out. Right? If you don't walk out your faith. You can't. And all you have to do is read. I mean, this is literally coming from my time in Matthew because each person who received healing walked out their faith before the healing came. They approached Jesus. They asked. They they begged. They touched. They pleaded. They went through all sorts of hoops to get to Jesus, believing that he would bring their healing. Yeah. And, and we can do that because we know Jesus has promised us he has come not to, to heal those who think that they are righteous, but to heal those who know that they are sick and sinners and need him. Mm-hmm. Mm. So good. So good. We've got to end. It's our people like, you know, short podcasts and we are, we're at almost an hour. Guys, we love you, and we just can't stop talking. This is the problem. We love God's word and the encouragement of being with each other. So will you take that into prayer for us, and then I'll close us. Dear Heavenly Father, um, thank you so much for your sovereignty and your providence in each one of our lives. Lord, I just pray over each of the women who are listening that whatever roadblock they might be experiencing in their lives right now, that they wouldn't look at it in that light, that instead they would just be able to shift their thinking and and say, all right, Lord, this is a roundabout. Which direction are you taking me next? And may they faithfully take uh, one step forward and and just watch you uh, open the doors and, and continue to lead and guide in each one of their lives because, Lord, you have promised that you are with us each step of the way and that you will guide us and you will lead us and that ultimately, I mean, you love us more than we possibly could know. So may we each be faithful to the calling that you've given us and, and that we would just continue to serve you and keep our eyes focused on you, that our perspective would be um, just centered on who you are and not on the earthly rewards or the earthly challenges, but that we would see everything through heavenly eyes. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Kaylee, thank you for 
being with me today and blessing, blessing me. I'm sure blessing our listeners. So thank you everyone for listening to the More To Be podcast. We are praying you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and his word during your time with us. If you'd like to show your support for the ministry of More To Be and our podcast, we'd love for you to become a tribe member. You'll get access to a library of life application studies and worksheets, audio recordings and video teachings with exclusive resources added each month. To learn more, visit moretobe.com slash podcast for a special link just for our listeners. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day.